This is Father Gregory Pine. And this is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Jacob Bertrand. There are so many things that we can talk about. I am so excited because we haven't <gasps> recorded in so long. Yeah, exactly. You It'll, were just warming up your hands at the mere thought. I actually hate that. You do? What? what? When people do that. Why? The sound of it. <laughs> oh my God. Like I'll tell strangers not to. <laughs> I mean, I asked yesterday, the other day on the airplane, it uh-huh. smelled like ramen. And I, I said out loud, who is cooking ramen on this plane? <laughs> so I have no problem like telling strangers that I'm un, like unimpressed. Yeah. So but this is one of them. Yeah. It, I like to keep um, statistics of random things. Like my mother would send me an email and I'd send her back statistics of how many emojis per word or like how many exclamation yeah. points per sentence and things like that. I like to keep statistics for you. Like how many seconds have elapsed in the episode before you say a salty thing. And just so you know, you hit 11 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I also once told someone on an Amtrak train to chew with their mouth closed. It was, <laughs> it was in the quiet car. And I, that's all you got. I was like, you can't. Yeah, too you're much in a shoot. Lips and gums. Um, I, I couldn't do it. So, so for this episode, we'll actually have 28 minutes and 30 seconds of us chewing with our mouths <laughs> open. <laughs> what are those videos called where it's just like a sound? Oh, ASMR. Uh, sure. Where people are like, I should go back. Yeah. <laughs> God's planning does ASMR. <laughs> no, but speaking of chewing, it's Thanksgiving, or at least if you're listening to this episode live, happy Thanksgiving. So we thought that we'd talk about our favorite Thanksgiving foods. And how to chew them. And how to chew them. So answer to the second question with your mouth close. Answer the first question, Father Jacob Bertrand. There are a lot. There are um, so many. I like... Uh, I think so. If I had to have one, yeah, you can't say turkey. No, because it's because of the tryptophan, or because it's so. No, basic. I've heard that tryptophan. That's not a real thing. Fascinating. I mean, tryptophan is a real thing, but okay. it, like the amount that we ingest actually doesn't like make you. It's just that we're like gluttonous, uh, and our bodies are like, uh, and yeah. But I could be wrong. Usually not fake news so, or follow the science. You take your pick. That's listener. right. Uh, we do it in everything else. Uh, <laughs> but I would have to say, I think stuffing. Uh huh is like really good. <laughs> and then second, second would be cranberry sauce. Okay. It's like the old, the foods that you can just gum uh-huh. and you have to work to eat them and keep your mouth closed while you're gumming them. Yeah. And don't rub your hands like as you see it coming up. Quite naturally. And then if I had to have another, I, like, I really like like green bean casserole. Uh-huh. And like, so, oh my gosh, sweet potato pie with like the marshmallows. People, it's, it's, oh, Cut it's my so mouth. good. Um, question. Cranberry sauce. Do you prefer freshly made? Do you prefer like in a non-ribbed gelatinous pile, or do you prefer looks like the can in which it was stored? So definitely not the middle option. <laughs> definitely not B, because if it's like if it's gelled, yeah, like let's let it be what it is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, one of like a cool like Thanksgiving thing is getting like the the cranberry sauce out of the can, like yeah. the. As it comes yeah. out, you know, kind of thing. And you have to like get a knife, you get the air suction thing going. Uh-huh. Um, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I like homemade better if I, if they were both in front of me, but like a homemade cranberry sauce, you can't have it. Like, I don't want to be like chewing on cranberry skins. Right. So you got to like sieve it. S- <laughs> sieve it? <laughs> Strain it maybe? I don't know. So you got to like, yeah. you got to run through it. Yeah, yeah exactly. you know, Or like really cook it down. Really? I don't want to chew on my cranberry sauce. Yeah. Like it should be sl- strawable. 
Uh, yes, strawable, slurpable. Um, so what, what would you say is the best sneaky ingredient in a cranberry sauce? You know how sometimes people include like a little bit of a sneaky spice or like a little bit of a yeah. sneaky orange rind. What's your favorite sneaky ingredient? Well, yeah, it has to, that's orange isn't sneaky. Okay. And <laughs> like you have to, I mean, um, what would I say? My favorite sneaky ingredient. I've never tried it, but I'm sure like some like alcohol would be great. Yeah. Like a little bourbon like spice. Yeah. I've never had that before, but I've just seen it in chocolates. I don't like orange flavored things like that. I like real orange. Um, but like, I, I imagine like a little bourbon or something. You think so? Why not? I don't know. It's like fruit plus smoke. I just don't know how well fruit smoke does. But moving on, I don't have a favorite because here we go. This is oh, a hot take. Sake, yeah. I don't have a favorite Thanksgiving food because I don't actually like most Thanksgiving foods. And I was raised in a house where if you said that you didn't like a food, you were picky and therefore banished to the outer darkness. Don't worry. There was no outer darkness. I wasn't in fact banished, but you're like, what? You're a picky eater. How did you, how did it come about that you are a member of this family? But now as I come into my own, I'm willing to admit that I don't like many things and I don't really like stuffing and I don't really like Turkey unless sometimes it's the display of the Turkey, which really gets me. So like, um, when we were at Steubenville, not you and me, but father Joseph Anthony and me, father Joseph Anthony's in this room. Ha. Um, we were at Steubenville and we went to Austria at different times. And, um, the Austrians who prepared our meals were like, you guys are Americans. So let's do this American thing. And they're like, what do Americans like? They're like, not sure, but I think they eat turkey and they're also into pyrotechnics. So when they brought the turkey out to display it, no. it was yeah, oh yeah, it was filled with sparklers. They're like, happy Thanksgiving. And we were like, we love you for more reasons than we can describe. Also with an, a kind of ironic patina that you'll never understand, but we love you. So that would be- I'm still tripping on like that you don't like any of the Thanksgiving foods. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, I'd take it back except that I can't, it's out there. Yeah, people keep receipts. This is the internet. I've um, never kept a receipt in my life. <laughs> except when I'm getting reimbursed for it. That's the only time. Yeah, that's- Like sometimes, a, okay, this, we're, we're really going down the rabbit hole, but whatever you this can- This is God's plan. Yeah. It is sometimes, the rabbit hole. My mother watches Judge Judy a lot, uh -huh. and she thinks that she could like pass the bar. And uh -huh. she says it like kind of jokingly, but I think like deep down, if we were like, we paid, we signed you up for the bar, she would go take it um, <laughs> with like authority, you yeah. know, like with, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, wait, why did I bring this up? Um, liking receipts. foods, receipts. Oh, yeah. and like sometimes when I'm home, the Judge Judy will be on the TV and I'll, I'll get a glimpse of yeah. Judy Justice. Uh -huh. And- she always talks about receipts for the, it's like, I don't keep any receipts. So if I'm ever sued, it's like, don't even bother. I'm just going to pay you. Exactly. So. And you delete the emails too. Clean yeah. inbox. I don't even clean read wallet. my emails anymore. <laughs> That's true. We've gotten there. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm um, speaking of Thanksgiving. Typically Thanksgiving is a time where we invite people to give uh, to charitable causes. And this Thanksgiving or the days following this Thanksgiving, we invite you for the second annual retreat, um, what would we call it? Fundraiser? Yeah. So we did it last year and it was hugely successful and people were super generous and the retreatants who came and who were able to pay or find it more economical to come were super grateful. So we had three retreats this past year. Uh, so uh, there was the all comers retreat, the men's retreat, and then the young adults retreat. This year, we're going to spread things out a little differently where we're going to have a couple of one day events in city centers where we haven't had retreats previously, an all comers retreat and a men's retreat. So if you feel so moved to give to support 
the um, yeah this this week and a half long retreat fundraising effort. We're super grateful, super super grateful. So you can find the information about that in the show notes, the description and our show notes, and you can also find it at godsplanning.org. And all that money is just dispersed among the retreatants who sign up, and it reduces the cost. So we actually charged less than the retreat center charged per person. We lost quite a bit of money, in fact, on retreats because that's the point. Uh, the point is that people come, and we make it as easy as possible. So here is to your generosity. Thank Thanks very much. And to our losing money on retreats because party on. And we'll give you a receipt. <laughs> we will give a receipt. Yeah. And a donor acknowledgement, which you can use as part of your tax filing. Um, but this episode is about um, not hot takes or spicy comments or Thanksgiving or food, whether or not it is likable or liked or the rubbing of hands. No, I'm getting excited. Uh-huh, for the topic. Exactly. Yeah. You know what it is about? It's about ignorance. Wish I were. Yes. Yeah, so the question is, is ignorance bliss? Because I, I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by how much information is out there. Certainly, we've seen the explosion of knowledge in the modern and contemporary periods, and also its availability has become more ready on account of the fact that we are all plugged into the internet and we can all ask chat GPT to compile whatever information is out there in digestible fashion. And so we're kind of caught between information overload on the one hand and a sense of our own vocation as knowers and lovers. So there's something to be done here, but we're not quite sure. So leading into the conversation, what do you think are some good principles to have in mind? Yeah. When I, when and thinking about like the problem or the reality of ignorance, it's often it comes up with like when we do an examination of conscience or prepare for confession or like living, trying to live in accord with what our Lord and the church teaches. And, you know, do I, am I doing it right? Do I know if I'm doing it right? Am I forgetting something, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and for, for, I think our kind of laying out of like, is ignorance bliss? Probably not. But like, how do we, how do we filter and process the information that we, and, and the knowledge that we, that we know is, is, is not us. It's not another way to give like an info dump of like, this is what St. Thomas says and you have to memorize it. So therefore you can be holier, but rather uh, to, to provide a few tools as like to, to handle all of that well. And I think I would say perhaps at the outset or at the outside of the conversation that um, what we are required to know is much more straightforward than and what we might think if we're kind of overwhelmed, like, do I know enough? You know, it's this, our faith and our relationship with Christ isn't a sort of like Gnostic thing where like, as we enter and it becomes more complicated and um, like just more of a process and an algorithm and that sort of thing. But rather like the whole point of being with Christ is to be, is to be freed and you to have that burden lifted. So I think we'll talk a bit about that too. And that's kind of what's at the fore of my mind. Yeah. And then we put that in conversation too with, the fact that we are human beings. Okay. So we're not angels, nor are we animals or plants or rocks. I think often of that quotable quote from the land before time, many things do not fly rocks, trees, spike. That's how I think about the hierarchy of creation. Um, <clears throat> spike, I think was a stegosaurus. He might still be a stegosaurus. In fact, no, they're extinct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we are human beings and part of what it means to be a human being to be a human being is the capacity to know and to love. And then the call to the exercise of those capacities to know and to love. So we are made to be knowers and lovers, but we're made to live throughout the course of time. So whereas angels know in an intuitive burst, we come gradually into the possession of knowledge, saving knowledge, mature human knowledge. Uh, But you know, we work our way through infancy, 
adolescence, young adulthood, you know, maturity, senescence, that's a cool word. Um, and there are, there are ways in which this narrative arc shapes our responsibility to know and our efforts to know. So I think that's a good thing too. It's like a lot of people put pressure on themselves to know everything yesterday. When truth be told, it's like how we describe the pursuit of holiness. The idea is that we're meant to will a higher state, to believe, to hope, to trust that God wills that for us and will bring it about. And knowledge is part of how we're made to the image of God and how we're meant to mature in this vocation, in this call. So I think, too, there's a sense in which this takes place in time and that we have to be patient with time. We have to be understanding of time. We have to be reconciled to the passage of time in our coming to know. Because I think I suspect that a lot of people have felt at certain times like I wish that there were fewer things to know so that I could know a higher percentage of them. But it's like, all right, don't don't worry. You know, don't be saddened that you can't exhaust the spring. Be content to drink from the spring so long as God gives you breath, so long as God gives you life. So then, all right, within that setting, um, we often talk about invincible ignorance and then vincible ignorance, the sense that there's some ignorance that you're not really responsible for, but then there's some ignorance that you are responsible for. When we're finding the conversation, what are some other things that we can introduce to help us maybe parse our responsibility? Yeah, I think at least with, there's, well, there's a question just, or not a question, there's the reality of, of who we are as human beings yeah. and what we often or sometimes call the natural <laughs> law. Um, and I think that's a good, at least in my like understanding of ignorance and sort of talking with people about what they're responsible for knowing. Um, the baseline here is, is well, okay, we're, we're created in a particular way, oriented to a particular thing as human beings. So we can talk about a very baseline understanding of what constitutes human goodness, flourishing, living together in these sort of things and what things stand contrary to that. So like a good example here is like, we often don't need somebody to tell us that murder is wrong. You know, like they're like, that's, we're told that and we're told that like as kids, like hitting is wrong or the, you know, and that builds on that sort of thing. But there, there are things that are intuitive to who we are that, um, that teach and guide us. And therefore in, in turn sort of fall into the sort of, you know, we should know better kind of category. And yeah. often these aren't complicated things, you know, they're, they're pretty straightforward, like murder, you know, it's, it's like, don't maybe you shouldn't be yeah. murdering people kind of thing. Sounds right. Um, it's as the, as the thing, as certain things become more complex um, and more um, what detailed, I guess, nitty gritty where the, the realm in my mind of the invincible um, kind of ignorance comes in where we need to be taught sometimes what like, you know, what things are and what things aren't. And what I always recommend too, is to look at, you know, to turn to the church's teaching on things in a basic way. And then as you were saying, you know, this, this arc, this narrative, and then we build on it, you know, and then, yeah. then we, then we can understand why certain things, you know, why we're required to know certain things and not, but it's always good to start simple. You know, we don't want to start with a complex moral setting yep. or example and like try to work that out. If we don't have the sort of like, okay, these are the basics of our faith and what the Lord teaches and asks of us. And like, I'm responsible for knowing that. And then as that, as we build on that, then, then we, yeah, can get into the realm of like, should I, should I not have known that, that sort of thing? Yeah. No, I think the, the, the natural law is a great place to start. And when St. Thomas describes it, for instance, you said we wouldn't do this and now I'm going to do this. When St. Thomas describes it, he says it works in us at the level of inclination. All right. So it's, we have a certain tendency to the fulfillment of the natural law because of who we are and what we're for. But then there's also a conscious element to it. So <clears throat> we'll talk about it as like the eternal law impressed in our rational nature. So it's something that we both experience, you know, like feel as it were, or tend unto, but also something that we think through. 
something that we can also cognize. So there's, there's both of these elements, both of these dimensions in our human experience. And I'll say, okay, by virtue of the natural law, we tend to the preservation of existence. We tend to the procreation and education of family. We tend to like knowing the truth about God and living peaceably in society. So, so for him, responsibility is something that comes about as a result of, you know, who we are as individuals, as members of families, as members of political communities, as members of a church. And within each setting, you know, you have elders who educate you in the way to live, or you have friends, or you have, you know, um, you know, like priests or, you know, whatever Authority it is. Figures, yeah, yeah. So like people, yeah. people who are appointed to just such a, just such a task. And so there's, there's the sense in which, okay, God has entrusted you to a nature, to a family, to a political community, to a church, precisely so as to educate you in this natural law and in the divine law, which in certain circumstances, you know, goes beyond it. Um, so I think that, that, that might set us at ease too, because obviously there are going to be plenty of things that we don't know but we're not necessarily responsible for them. The technical word for that is nescience, when you don't know a thing for which you're not responsible. When we talk about ignorance, we're talking about not knowing a thing for which we are responsible within the trajectory of our, our education as human beings over the course of a life, over the course of time. And so we also can say, oh uh, yeah, God has equipped me with what I need, both as an individual and as a member of a community, so as to chart that course. Now, I just need to be responsible, as it were, in availing myself of the various means that are at my disposal. So then thinking about that, what are maybe some some particular ways in which we see that or concrete ways in which we can better lay hold of those means that God appoints? Yeah, this might be this might be like a bit accusatory, <laughs> but why not? No, never. <laughs> uh, at least. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, now I'm going to like out myself from sitting behind the screen in the confessional. Um, sometimes I hear people say things and they'll say, well, I didn't, with something very basic. Um, and well, I didn't, I'm not really sure if that's a sin or that. And my like internal response is like, wait, how don't you know that's, how don't you know that? And, and sometimes people just don't know or haven't been formed and like, fine. I mean, you know, it's not like a moral judgment. It's just kind of like, but other times there's part of me thinks like, well, maybe you should have checked or like you were saying, like there's a responsibility on, uh, there's a personal responsibility on our end that if we're unsure about something that might be our conscience saying like, this might be a little murky waters. So maybe like before just diving in, I'm gonna, I don't know, check something out or that sort of thing, you know, like, so I, I think that personal responsibility, that personal agency on things is, is really, um, important. And th whether that's asking a friend, asking somebody that, you know, as you described, whether it's like looking up something on like Catholic answers, whether it's whatever it might be looking in the catechism, um, something of that sort. And then sometimes too, you get into the thing where it's like, well, the question of like, I don't know if that's sinful because of the context or the circumstances, like the object, the thing itself, may or may not, you know, and in that sort of circumstance, I, I think it's just good to ask a question, whether that's in the confessional, whether it's seeking advice from somebody else. But I, I think the wrong thing to do um, is not to ask questions or to do a little homework or, or that sort of thing. But the wrong thing to do is to assume that like, it's great. Uh, no problem. You know, that sort of thing. Um, well, and why? Well, because we're called to live a life in accord with our Lord's call to be holy. And we can't just assume that we know what that is, mm -hmm. you know, or how to do it as if we've created what holiness is, you know, we're, we're called to be conformed, not as a way to, not as a way to sort of like do away with or dull who we are as individuals, but as a way to like highlight that. And that comes as a gift of grace and mercy and that sort of thing. And we can't enter into that if we're just sort of like, 
This is great. Or I'll say this and then stop the ramble. Or if we live our life thinking that everything we do falls into the realm of sin uh, because we're just not sure. So it must be sinful. There must be something errant here. Um, there must be something wrong or I've done something good and uh, I see this pride like and it's just totally corrupt. You know, those are both the pitfalls that that um, that avoid our responsibility of chatting with somebody else, seeking advice, seeking help, what those sort of things, but also just they render us or they relegate us to to our own fabricated worlds mm -hmm. of either <clears throat> like beating ourselves up or everything. I'm great. I'm, I'm going to heaven because I'm a nice person. We've had an episode on this. You might not be going to heaven just because you're nice. It's called charity. Uh, but, you know, it's like there, there's there's something more that we're called to yeah. um, and to engage with and to, and you, you know, as you're talking about our intellect and will to, to put the, you know, to put those to use, I guess, if you want to say it that way. Um, but that comes with a little, or that comes from a little effort on our part in ways, yeah. you know? No, it's, it's interesting. Like, so we started with the natural law, but we also have to add into the mix, the recognition that we're fallen. So the fact of our original sin means that these gifts with which we were created, which made it easier for us to discern what is true and then to pursue it as good, are now clouded and complexified by the disorder introduced into our nature. And so we're going to have to recognize in ourselves a kind of tendency to whatever, um, self-deceive insofar as that might buffer us from a difficult reality or a difficult recognition or a certain tendency to look away for fear of what we might find if we gaze deeply into the truth. So there are different ways in which ignorance can come about. There can just be the kind of ignorance of negligence. You just fail to do the work of informing yourself because for lack of a better word, you're lazy. Or there can be a kind of ignorance of choice insofar as you choose not to inform yourself, all right? Which, which is more deadly insofar as you fear that in informing yourself, you might have to change your life. And so you choose not to inform yourself. There's that story of Graham Greene. He went to San Giovanni Rotunda with his mistress and Padre Pio said, after mass that he might he might approach and speak with him and graham green said no because i suspect that he's a saint and a saint might make me change my life right so it's possible to recognize that there's something here which might place a claim on me and i'm going to hold it off at arm's length that's that's more infernal still the diabolical yeah. logic of that is more perverse so you have this like a kind of negligence to inform a kind of choice not to inform or even like a, a kind of gripping to an untruth for for security or for a kind of quasi certainty insofar as it's easier to self-describe as this, that, or the other thing, like I'm not a morning person. So you don't have to take seriously your responsibility to daily prayer or whatever it is. And you, so you can see the different ways in which sin at work in our members can, can perpetuate these lies, which keep us from an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ who wants only for us the truth and with the truth, a genuine freedom, a genuine liberty or deeper invitation to his life. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, I was going to say something very similar to that, that what, especially with the Graham Greene story and thinking about how like, yeah, actually not, not informing or, you know, yeah, right. informing ourselves or finding out, you know, the answer is, is often a convenience of just like, I'm happy where I am. Mm. And the, the reality is, is that that's a trap. Um, you know, sin is, sin is a trap. It's a burden. It's a weight, even if we're habituated to it such that this seems like this is normal, you know, this is what life is and it may bring me some happy, you know, it's still a trap. It's still, it's still over time, over time, like snuffs out our humanity. And it would be foolish for us to say that, well, the truth is just easier. It's just simple. Like sometimes it's not. 
Sometimes it's not easier. Sometimes it's more painful and difficult to say, to, like, this is actually what is what is good and beautiful and true. And I'm not there. And I need to be. And that yeah. that, that conversion, that path, that, you know, struggle to um, strive for that with God's grace can be a very painful, can be a long thing. But the truth is, the reality is, is we're made for that. And just because we've habituated ourselves, whether it's through ignorance, whether it's through our own chosen ignorance, whether it's through our habits of sin, just because we've chosen and have, have ended up in this spot doesn't mean we're not made for that, you know, for what is good, true and beautiful. And it's only in the truth. too. I think this is so important that it's only in the truth that love exists um, because without the truth, it's just a fabrication and a fabrication of false, whatever, a facade that's, there's no, there's no love there or, or there's a very mitigated love there. Um, and, and yeah, it just snuffs out who we are. So I think it's, you know, the challenge, we have to acknowledge the challenge of whether that's an intellectual challenge of like, yeah, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to see, or the, the sort of what like challenge of the will to then begin to cooperate with grace, but we should, lean into that. We should lay into that because we don't do it on our own. We're brought along by God's grace, by his mercy, by his, by his church, by the witnesses of the saints, by our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we're brought to something that is truly, truly beautiful. And that's life with Christ. Is it easy? Is it perfect? No, no, I would, you know, I would be lying if I were saying that. And yeah, but, but we're called to it. We're made for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that kind of the objective truth of the situation that we're meant to subjectively appropriate informs us as to how we go about addressing this slouch towards ignorance. Because a lot of people, again, we started with the observation that there's a kind of information overload in which we could potentially be lost. So then what is it that I'm supposed to know? We're all limited as human beings, right? Our nature is limited by the present bounds within which it transpires. Is there a more complicated way to say that? Could I possibly say more complicated things? Gregory. Um, so yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that we have this human nature that sets the terms of engagement. What then are we responsible for knowing? Well, the truth about God, all right? The truth about our state, referring the things of our life to God, and then other things besides insofar as they fit. So very concretely, like I read books f like about philosophy, theology, and then occasionally literature. I don't read about anything else because I don't have the time to, or at least I haven't made the time to. Now, might it make me a better apologist if I knew more things about contemporary science? Potentially, but I don't think that's really part and parcel of my vocation, at least at this juncture. And so I don't. Do I lament the fact that I don't have time to read that? No. <laughs> because like at a certain level, I can't. At a certain level, I can't. And so I think for each of us within the setting of our particular life and particular vocation, the question is then, how do I learn the truth about God, about the duties of my own state, refer the latter to the former, and then come to discover a few other things that I enjoy. So maybe we could end with some, some practical tips. Should I spend my entire time on discord servers, in com boxes, talking to people on street corners? Where would you recommend that people go? None of those. <laughs> uh, I don't talk to people on the street and I don't go to com boxes. Uh, I think, no, I think it, like to, to begin my answer quickly that there, we ought to like put our trust in like the tools that were, that were given, um, and count those as sufficient, you know, like we were talking about like the natural law, 
the church, um, these sort of things. And, and also trust that the Lord has given me the tools to like act prudently, you know, to engage my intellect and my will. So what I would say is that like where, where I see the, like the rubber hitting the road, the practical problem here is, is I just have, I'm thinking in the confessional or people asking questions about sin. On the one hand, you have the, like, I've, I have trouble, I have trouble coming up with things to bring the, to the confessional. It's like, I don't, um, I'll tell you what, uh, so let's sit down for a second, you know, but like in a serious way, it's like, okay, well then perhaps like growing a bit more sensitive to some of the ways in which we act with other people or making a better examination of conscience, these sort of things might be, might be helpful if we find ourselves like, you know, perhaps, perhaps these people aren't sinning, but, or but venially, I'm guessing that, that, you know, fine. The other side is I like, I'm just so overwhelmed. My list is like four notebook pages. Every time I come to confession every other day, it's like, well, also there, I think there's a bit of ignorance. So it's, again, it's like familiarize yourself, find a good examination of conscience, especially if you're thinking like, I don't really know, because usually these walk through the 10 commandments and highlight some other points. And it's a, it's a comprehensive thing. So find something simple, but that's comprehensive and, and rely on that. You know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel to help ourselves like learn a bit more to relax a little bit, to trust in God's mercy and, and the power of the sacrament. So that would be my advice is, is find something simple, but comprehensive, rely on it. Yeah. I, I think that, um, some kind of concrete things that come to mind. I'm thinking here of Aristotle who says that the norm or the standard for virtuous agency is the wise man, right? That there's a kind of virtuosity or a kind of dynamism to the wise man in that he helps us to live our lives well and that we can model our lives on his and find that we're falling in step with a wise path. And so I think that in the 21st century, there are a lot of seemingly inorganic ways to accumulate information. But the question is like, where do they lodge in my humanity? Where do they lodge in my community? And people can overload themselves in thinking, I'm not going to be able to live a genuine Christian life until I have exhausted every potential line of inquiry as it pertains to, it's just like, stop. What we need are good pastors, good friends, good spiritual masters. So we can find a spiritual master among the saints. And you might really love the works of St. Francis de Sales, for instance, and read um, Introduction to the Devout Life or read you know, other, other works that he's written on, on pertinent themes, which would be a good guide to life. Uh, you, you, know, you wanna be plugged into a parish community and you know you might judge your pastor pastor for x y or z reasons but he is the one appointed to supply for your sacramental needs and so to receive the sacrament of confession with some regularity or practice the sacrament of confession with some regularity um and to do it in a similar setting so that way there's a kind of accountability there uh, but also like a parish community to invest in relationships insofar as those relationships will mediate to you the truth of your own life the truth of god i mean but like the truth of your own life and give you a kind of setting in which for your your life to be informed to be enlightened to be gradually assimilated to you know god's very mind and so i think that like that helps to calm the nerves when we yeah. think about all the things that i could look like know or all the things that i could explore so final thoughts final thoughts my final thought is this chill, <laughs> you know, I think we get worked up, we get worried. And, and like when we get, and I'm not excusing like sin or anything, but when, when we find ourselves like, I don't know, it was this right. Was this not? And then like it snowballs. Um, and I think that it, it's good just to calm down, you know, to, to chill and recognize that like there are resources at our fingertips and, and divine resources, not just like, I'm in a com box resource, like, but divine resources, grace, sacramental grace, um, you know, the, the sort of what the, the, the instrumentality of our friends and the example of our friends and our saints, you know, like 
we have research. We're not alone. Like sin makes us feel isolated in our troubles with things. It makes us feel very isolated. That's a trick of the devil. Um, but we're not alone. So yeah, I think that should be a, a bit of a consolation, a bit of an exhale. So it's like, it's all right. We're in it together. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Can I say that in this liturgical season? Yes. Um, all right. So again, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Godsplaining. If you would follow us on Facebook, Instagram, X, the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, maybe even TikTok. I don't know if we've resuscitated that. Will we have a threads account? Chances are low. Um, if you would like subscribe and leave a five-star review as that helps to get the word out and um, helps other listeners stumble on the podcast. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. The link is in the description and our show notes. And as we highlighted at the beginning of the episode, there's another opportunity for giving should you so choose. And we're super grateful if you do uh, to support our upcoming retreats and one day events for this year. So every dollar given will just be applied directly to reduce the cost of retreatants uh, who would like to attend an in-person event, but might find that cost a little burdensome. So again, you can find information about that at godsplinning.org. Well, you'll also find information about merchandise and then the retreats and one day events themselves. So that's it. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. And we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on Godsplinning. <laughs>